So three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to the Rovers Chat Podcast. It's episode 19. It's another Tuesday and we're sat down to discuss the latest ongoings at Rovers. In a week that international breaks taken headlines as Adam Wharton pulled on the shirt for England under-20s, Arno Sigerson featured for Ireland and we've also seen Andrew Moran involved with the senior Ireland squad. The Leeds ticket debate still continues to irate fans and we will discuss that in today's episode. We'll start off with introducing the co-host before we get into the main bits of the show. First, I'll come to Mike. Mike, how are we today? Yeah, I enjoy talking about Rovers, but England the other night was just boring. It made me realise how there's just no point in following England until a major tournament, is there? No, it's what we discussed uh, a couple of weeks ago, weren't it, about the international break and whether it does it for us or not. And uh, I think that game against Malta said everything. Mark, how are we today? Are we good? I'm good, thank you. We've, uh, I'm refreshed. I think I did need a break after thinking about it. I'm refreshed and I am looking forward to start, which is always a an interesting away day it's a christmas do away day so if you see me at start don't talk to me but yeah hopefully it'll be a good result if anyone has any videos of mark from start just send them in it doesn't always have to be me getting caught on these pages on away games <laughs> uh, before we start we wanted to just mention a bit of upcoming news for ourselves uh we're delighted to confirm that we'll be doing a bit of a pre-match show from ewood for the bristol city game on tuesday the 12th of december we'll be going live the three of us will be down at the game which i don't think we all get to a game altogether very too often so no. when i sit down do a bit of a live podcast there there'll also be other content coming out from that day so just keep an eye out for that but that'll be half six till 7 p.m on tuesday the 12th of december mark you're looking forward to a midweek trip to ewood Oh, yeah. I mean, it's obviously a bit of a long journey for me, but it's worthwhile just to see your beautiful faces in person, isn't it? <laughs> of course. And we'll have, obviously, we'll have, uh, I mentioned that other content, we'll have Secret Santa coming out. We've all bought each other gifts. Uh, there's been some excitement in the chat already about the gifts. So I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, well, I'm kind of looking forward. I'm a bit, uh, <laughs> bit nervous, a bit apprehensive, but that'll be there of course we'll post everything on twitter at roverschat underscore and also on youtube you'll be able to see the live stream so go and check that out but let's get straight into it international roundup time now i mentioned arno sigerton he played around 60 minutes came off with a knock in the first game but did get through 90 minutes yesterday at the time of recording adam wharton started one and came off the bench for him for england under 20s uh, andrew moran hasn't featured yet for republic of ireland but by the time this podcast's out or at least by the night time this podcast out, we expect him to a feature. Junior Nsangu came off the bench for Poland under-20s and impressed by the look of things. And Zach Gilsena didn't feature in Republic of Ireland under-21's first game, but I believe that's down to the pitch they were playing on. Uh, they're trying to kind of keep him a bit protected in terms of the injuries. So a pretty productive pre-season, uh, international break, sorry. Mike, I wanted to come to you just quickly on Arno Sigurdsson. We mentioned last week about his involvement. 60 minutes and a 90 minutes against Portugal uh, yesterday. Are you happy that he's played this many minutes or would you rather have just kind of sat out this game and, you know, managed his minutes well? I'm happy with the minutes because I think he needed match fitness still after that uh, long break of actually playing games. Uh, like we said last week, the, the issue isn't actually the fitness now. It was to start with. The issue is he's actually getting those relationships with the players around him. Uh, that's the bit that's worrying me. The fitness side of things, yeah, it's brilliant that he's getting these minutes now. Um, it makes me feel confident that he can start and finish a game. I just now want to see him you know, start to really play for Rovers how we know he, well, like we hoped he could because he does seem to have fallen away that little bit, didn't he? Yeah, he has. Hopefully he'll be back in. And like we mentioned, all these players will return to Rovers. Now, ahead of the Stoke game coming up, Saturday sees Rovers make the trip down to the Britannia at a bet 365 or whatever it's called now. Uh, and a way game that people enjoy. Mark, you've referenced that it's your Christmas do. I'm not going to say you're mm. looking forward to the day because I imagine you are. Are you looking forward to the game and, well, at least what you remember of it? Well, I'll not be having to sleep anyway. Um, <laughs> I am looking forward to the game just because I think we've had a couple of weeks off. I think Rovers need to have a good start to the game. I think Rovers need to have a good start to this run of games. It was a bit indifferent, wasn't it, the last run of games? Obviously, we're on the back of the Preston result. We need to get rid of that, banish it. Otherwise, again, it just seems to roll into the next run of fixtures, doesn't it? But in terms of the game itself, I could see it being quite a cagey affair. I think I speak to a few Stoke fans and, and they are 
that they're forever bemoaning their team, bemoaning the fact that they seem to just make the same old mistakes, that they feel like they've never had a full refresh. Um, I'm not a particular fan of Alex Neal, if I'm being honest, but yeah, it's always going to be cold and windy at Stoke as well, but hey help, you know what you're signing up for. Yeah, you know, I always enjoy Stoke away. It's always a good day. That uh, 3 2 win there when we were 3 0 up, back to 3 2 <laughs> and Berahino hit the bar, might be might be up there yeah. in terms of away games. Mike, I wanted to come back to you about Stoke now. Obviously, a pre, a pre season where they made quite a few signings, you know, they looked to be on the right path and it's not really worked out for them. Do you feel Rovers have a really good chance of turning around the results after that last Preston game? Um, yeah, I, I do think we can because I think the Preston game didn't really show what we could do. I think it was one of those games where it, it just didn't fall right for us. And obviously we came off some decent form. I mean, it was a little bit up and down. But Stoke are actually coming off some decent form themselves, aren't they? I mean, I'm just looking now. I mean, you know, they beat Sunderland, beat Leeds, uh, beat Borough, uh, a couple of draws against Cardiff and Coventry where they, they didn't actually score. It's it's a lottery, this one. I, I'm not a fan of Stoke. I think the way that they play at the moment, it's very similar to how Preston play, and we saw what happened there. So mm-hmm. I am a little bit concerned, <laughs> but after saying that, it's the kind of thing where we'll go and get a couple of goals and see it through. Yeah, it's better than your Swansea prediction, Mike. Or yeah, I, I, I'm trying to keep Twitter away from these predictions now. <laughs> yeah, it's best thinking worse. Mike, we'll come back to you for your bet of the week now. You've got that busy day out in stock. What are you going for to fund that day out? <laughs> um, I'm not spending money on betting. That's how I'm not funding it. Um, what I've gone for, I've gone, I think it's a really tricky, tricky game to call this. I think it, it literally could go either way. It's a classic championship game. I think Mike's right in terms of they play similar to Preston. And I think that causes us some issues. But I know we'll come on to the team selection and, and as we look at the, the back four choices and things like that. But I think the fact that Hayden Carter should be fit and as well James Hill could be quite key because that will give us that height. Um, but I've gone for, I know Stoke home games average over 10 corners, Rovers away games average over 14. Now, when you look at the stats going into this game, they're skewed because Rovers have almost changed the way they're playing a little bit. We're not as expansive. We're not as open and, and gung-ho a little bit. So I think you have to steer away from them. I, I, I'm sorry, Mike. I've, I've, done a, I've done a you here. I've gone for an away win. And I've gone for over nine corners. And a £5 on that will return you £24. Now, that might not fund the day out, but it'll pay for my trade ticket at the very least. Exactly, that's all we asked for. Uh, we'll move on now to, speaking of funding, it wouldn't fund a Leeds ticket, Mark, which is the oh, main topic mm. we're kind of focusing on today. Now, Rovers released the tickets uh, the other day. Leeds put a statement out there saying these are the ticket prices. A reciprocal deal couldn't be achieved. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, Leeds this year, because their fans often seem to get it, charge quite a lot away, and because they charge a lot at home, they've asked clubs if they want to do a reciprocal deal. Rovers have said no. Mike, without getting into the proper context of it, how do you feel about the news? I've got a real thing about ticket prices. I mean, I don't claim to be a business expert or anything like that, but it's about getting bums on seats, isn't it? And, you you know, we're not an affluent area. We're not. Um, But, I mean, Yorkshire and Lancashire, you know, it's one of those where you just would have thought they'd try and help the fans out. It's, It's just one of those where they're just not thinking of the fans and... Is it, who do we blame? There's a lot of people now saying because of the Huddersfield thing that actually Rovers are proving that we actually want these kind of things to work and it's actually a Leeds thing. I'm going to blame Leeds, but it, they're just not thinking of the fans and this is this is the trouble nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, of course we don't know where it actually is. I've just had a look and Leeds have agreed a deal at 28 quid with Preston. So for me, that tells me it's probably from the Rovers side. Now, from a business perspective, I get it because they're going to bring 7,500, but like you say, mm-hmm. I just think the fans are the main thing. You know, Rovers are not going to go there, pay 45 quid a ticket. We'll probably take 600 because it'll probably be a dead rubber game by the time. We probably won't have many there. 
Mark, do you feel this is again is a case of money over fans, or do you feel that maybe there's something deeper and you know we're not seeing the full picture? I think when we are in a high court situation to pay the electricity bills and the other bills, you cannot really blame the club for doing what they're doing. I'm completely in agreement with Mike. I think twenty twenty-five pounds is more than enough to be playing. Rovers will argue that if you're in the 1875 club, you would never pay more than £25 for a ticket at Ewood. Uh, we've had discussions around that. I mean, I've just done very quick maths. I apologise if it's wrong. But I think the 7337 is the allocation. If that was £20 tickets, you're looking at £147,000. £25 tickets, £183,000. £30,220,000. Now, I think one of the big issues that, that the club may or may not confirm is that the police restrictions around away allocations at Ewood have been really they want them to have no more than five five and a half thousand so you've seen previously they've had the upper tiers and the netting quite heavily in the bottom tiers since Steve Waggett's been in place he's kind of said listen we need to recoup as much money as we can and we've seen before that ticket deals at Ewood have not worked we've had them at 10 pounds we've had them at five they might have added a thousand on but it's certainly not negating that difference in 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 price i would suspect that there is an element of police costs because of leads and because of the amount they're bringing that actually if we reduced it we'd be a lot worse off because we'd probably be almost better having it at five and a half thousand and then having it at 30 pound a ticket but that doesn't help us leads away so i think it's probably that there's a certain amount of police costs involved as well with having leads and we've gone do you know what we need to recoup that and we need to maximize our revenue while we can I'll be honest, I'm very, very frustrated with it. And I just feel, again, it's not the fans. You know, it's not the fans' fault with all this and they're kind of the ones getting punished. Whether Rovers do something near the game where they say, look, we'll cover 15 quid a ticket, whatever, we don't know. But yeah. at this time, I just feel it's not fair on our side. I get why Leeds are frustrated. I bet it is a pain when you know you're going to take 5,000, 6,000 places and you know, you're getting charged more because you know you'll take them. But uh, I think you're right there, Dan. I think the fact that they're charging 47, is it ordinarily, is almost trying to hold other clubs to ransom and they know, you know, they will fill their ground. But I think you you hit the nail on the head. What Rovers potentially should do is if we get down to April, is it, and the situation financially is a bit clearer for us, then I think the club should say, do you know what? There's only 2,000 away fans or whatever the allocation is. Here's a tenner off or free travel, whatever it is. Um, I think that would be the thing to do. But I, whilst I completely get it, I don't want to pay £47 at Leeds away. It's absolutely ridiculous. I also can kind of understand we are where we are at the minute. I think, you know, financially, we've obviously we've just been in the high court. We don't know what's going to happen moving into the new year. I think any money would be a bit ridiculous not to try and take it. But at the same time, I'm a supporter. I don't want to pay £47 at Leeds. No, no one does, especially for the view you're getting off of them seats. Oh, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll move on to a bit of a chat about the team. Now, Mike alluded to this before. In terms of positional rivals, as Rob's come back into the Christmas you know, period, there's a lot of games. We know there's no international break till March. There's still question marks over what Rovers' best 11 is. Now, we've picked yeah. out four debates here that we're not going to go into too much because we probably discuss these more often than not. But I just want an answer from both of you. I'll give my answer as well. Uh, and just a quick reasoning of why. So the first one is Leo Volstead versus Ainsley Pears. The keeper debate we've had so much. Mike, we are keeping experience of our charity game when I got an assist on Ewood Park that I had brought up. <laughs> Who would you rather have in there? And a quick reason why. I'm going to say Leo Volstead. And the reason being is I feel like we know what Pears is and can do. Um, I don't think Volstead is far away from what I would say are Pears' best attributes and he's much better at Pears' worst attributes than he is. So as far as I'm concerned, Volstead has the high ceiling. We've got to stick with him. Mark, do you agree? I do. I can see the logic in Pears coming back, but I think exactly what Mike said right at the end there is it for me, that we're going to have to go through some pain with both of them. So if we look at the one who's got the higher ceiling, you might as well go with that one. So for me, it's Volstead on that basis yeah. only. Volstead for me as well, that you can play the playing style where you want better 
Danny Ainsley like can in my eyes. At centre-back now, we've gone between Hill and Carter. Now, obviously, Hill has played at right-back, but say Rovers have another right-back in. Would you rather have James Hill or rather have Hayden Carter, Mark? What are we going for? Carter. And why? Rationale being, um, I don't think there's much between them, and Hayden Carter's our own, and I'd rather grow him than James Hill. I've also another rationale, which we'll come on to, which I think James Hill should be on the pitch somewhere else, but yeah. Mike, are you in agreement? Yeah, beautifully put. I completely agree. Uh, I think Carter and Haim have a fantastic partnership. Um, I don't like it when it gets broken. I think Carter's coming on really well. I think he's going to be our star, one of our stars of the future. And like Mark said, I'd have Hill elsewhere. Yeah, and so would I. Exactly. And which brings us on to the next one. I'll take the lead on this one. Britain versus JRC versus Hill now. At right back, obviously, I've gotten James Hill again. I think James Hill's done really well in the back line. The back line of Hill, Carter, Hyam and Pickering's worked so well all season. Jersey's best position isn't right back. I think he's almost wasted at right back at times and we miss him in the middle. So for me, it's got to be James Hill. And the fact that we've played Hill at right back at times, Callum Britton's played on the wing, kind of sums up John Dahl's thinking as well. Mike, are you in agreement with Hill or would you go for one of the other two? Yeah, I'd say he'll right back. And the irony being that JRC was like a real good utility man for us and Britain was our right back. I'm actually going to think it's a little bit more opposite now where I'd actually like to see JRC to be the solid centre mid option now and have Britain as the utility man and we can use him at left back, right back, right wing. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a change uh, change there in people's positions. Mark, do you agree? Overall, yes, but I think there's games to play Joe Rankin Costello there. However, I think just in terms of solidity and generally in the championship, we're lacking height, we're lacking that defensive now to allow the rest of the players to go forward. So, yeah, it, it's helped for me. And the final one is the striker department Sam Gallagher, Mike's favourite, versus Harry Leonard. Go on, Mike, I'll let you go first. I'm going to go with Harry Leonard. I think Sam Gallagher does a job when he comes on, but I want my striker to score goals. I don't trust Gallagher to get the goals uh, necessarily, but I do trust that Leonard's going to start to gain some confidence because he's, he's tracking, his movements, um, he's pressing, his positional, everything about that just screams to me that all he needs is a few goals to go in and he's just going to be off to the races. Mark, do you agree? This is the hardest one for me. I think the longer Sam Gallagher's out of the team, the better he seems to get. And when he's in the team, he does flatter to deceive, but there's no coincidence that every manager picks him. And there's no coincidence that our win rate and points seems to be up. That said, I watch him and I think there's quite a lot of games where I think, you've not. what have you done today? I really don't know what you've contributed to the team. I would say... Just at the moment, because of Harry Leonard's age and his inexperience a little bit, I'd probably start games with Gallagher and bring Leonard on. But I, I'd, I'd uh, if someone wanted to convince me otherwise, I'd be happy to just let them make that decision with this one. I'm on the exact same. I'm Gallagher first. I love Harry Leonard. I think he's a yeah. brilliant striker and a lot for Rovers in the future. But for now, I think we'll still underestimate Sam Gallagher's influence on this team and yeah. If you can keep Sammy Smoddick going in the same way, I think you can afford to let Gallagher's goals or lack of goals come into the side. Uh, final bit before we move on, we just want to take a look at the club direction, which is something that's also kind of come under microscope. Obviously, Greg Broughton came in, changed the club in a bit of a different way. We know that obviously he's got this idea of we've got to build youth, we've got to do everything like this. The question is, are you happy with how the club's actually developing the direction on and off the field? Mark, I'll come to you first on this one. Are you happy with the way the club's going? Are we destined to be in a better position, say, five years down the line? I want to keep this about football, but I don't think you can. In the summer, I was of the opinion we are a 20-30 goal striker away from being a top six team, even with the frailties of the keeping department. I think we've probably dropped down a level in the keeping department from Kaminsky at the moment. Volstead might yet go on to be better, but he's not at the moment. 
So that then leaves us needing to score even more goals. And I think that is where we struggle. My big issue, however, is Greg Broughton said he can't continue to work day by day in a transfer window. He needs to plan ahead. They were playing catch-up last, not the summer, just gone the first summer, and then in January. They've then gone into this summer with a clear plan of A, B and C and targets and things. Then if the rain money comes in, and that's all had to go out the window and they've had the budget cut. So my worry is that not only is Yondal Thomason not going to stick around, Greg Broughton can't stick around because he can't plan for his to do his own job effectively. So then we've ripped everything up and it's okay. You might say, right, well, let's get a director of football and another manager who wants to play this way. But who would want to work day to day? You can't work like that in a, in a football club. I think this time, you know, last summer and as we were going towards the end of the season, I was full of optimism. I thought we've got a director of football. Thomason's clicking. We can need a couple of signings, but even if we don't get them and Thomason moves on, Broughton will bring the next man in. If we can get back to that, then yes, in five years' time, I can see it being a really rosy future until the financial situation is sorted out. And that's not necessarily Venky's fault, but until that's sorted out, I just can't see past the next three months. No, that's the same way. You've hit the nail on the head for me there, Mark, that if we're not, if you can take finances out of the equation, I think we're in a very good position with a very good manager, uh, who I think is a really good director of football, a lot of young talent in this side that are going to be given time yeah. to develop. But you know the team's going to get split up. We're selling players. It's going to have to financially. You, you know, you know Adam Wharton's probably not going to be a Rovers player if we're sat here this time next year. You know that other players are going to get snapped up. The issue is, is that money reinvested? I don't think it is. And then you're starting, you know, if you bring 20 million in for Adam Wharton and can't spend it, you've then got to give someone the time that Adam Wharton's had. Because Adam Wharton's not been a straight solution. He didn't come in and go, wow, he's ready to go to the Prem. You know, if he gets this year out the way, he's two years behind him, is he? So we've got to be careful yeah. of that. Mike, where do you sit on this question, the hot topic of the week? Yeah, I agree with everything you guys have just said. I can't I can't add a hell of a lot more. I'm really happy with Broughton. I think he's doing a fantastic job. I don't think he's missed any signings so far. I mean, Hill was completely out of left field for me and he's come to be a fantastic signing along with all the others. JDT, again, it, when he came in, I wasn't sure about him and He's got us playing a brand of football that's great. I think the youth side of things is fantastic. I'm happy with all of that. But like you guys have said, it's the Venky situation. I think they're really trying their best to keep us going. They're trying the best to uh, make up for issues that they've caused. It comes down to that Indian government thing, doesn't it? And yeah. it, it's... I couldn't. I can understand why these guys can't work how they want to work because football mm. in the championship is not the here and now. It's about building, especially when you are a smaller budget club like we are. You know, you need to plan for the future. Like Mark said, you can't do that on a day-to-day -day basis in the transfer window. It seems like he's having to, you know, pull rabbits out of the hat all the time with all these signings and contracts. And whilst it, it can be exciting, it's not exciting for the right reasons for us fans, is it? No. Generally, as a direction for the club, you know, not long ago, we was terrible, go, falling down away into League One, and now we seem to be pushing. So from that direction, I'm really happy. But we can all see that potential, and we want that potential to become a reality. And whilst we've got these financial issues, it's not going to become a reality, is it? No, no, there's that's... so much in place at the moment that, you, like you've talked about, Dan, you've talked about Adam Wharton. Yeah, it, the squad's going to get broken up, but it needs to do for the model to work. And the mod, this yeah. has to be the model because we can't invest anymore. So what you need is Greg Broughton to be sat down now going, right, this is what we're doing in January. This is my budget, speaking to the agents, getting those in place. This is what we're doing in the summer. And Adam Wharton, if we get a bit of X, Y and Z, if it's January... Okay, we'd rather it was the summer, but whatever. Same for Hayden Carter, they've got their limits. And then when he goes, this is who we're bringing in. And what you saw with Brentford was actually they didn't go and sign, they didn't sell Morpe and bring in Watkins. Watkins was already there. They didn't go and uh, sell, uh, who was the other one they had? that they, uh, they were doing it all the time. And they were in, mm. in the, they'd signed them in January. So potentially now we would be going into January with 
Adam Wharton's replacement earmarked, knowing that Wharton would go in the summer. This player would come in, have six months to get used to the way of playing. Wharton would go and that player would slot into the team. That's exactly what Brentford were doing. That's what we wanted to be doing. That's what Brighton do. And all of it's in place, apart from the fact that we can't guarantee that we can do action those transfers. So then it all falls down. I think that's just on Fred Broughton, he's got some stick, but the transfer windows that he's pulled out um, to bring Thomason in when he's been working, not even with one arm behind his back, you know, he's literally been working hour to hour, has been unbelievable, to be fair. And I don't think he does get enough credit. No, we're definitely massive fans of him here, haven't we? I don't. Yeah. I mean, obviously there was that issue at the January window, and he took he took yeah. full brunt of that, and he admitted he himself. Yeah. He said it's me, but he was just being a leader. That's what leaders do, isn't it? And it yeah. wasn't actually his fault, um, you know. But I think we're really lucky to have someone like him that's bringing in these signings. I mean, can you think of one signing that's failed really that he's brought in? Um, it's they all seem to be offering something. I know we've got some cheaper ones like your Telelovic and your your Volsteads that are a little bit risky, but it's low risk. And it's early days. Exactly. Yeah. You know, these players are not designed to come in and hit the ground running, particularly at the low feast. You know, they're designed to come in, bed in, and then be maybe September next August that they should be starting or January. That's that's what they're there for, but because yeah. of the situation. I mean, I'm really proud of what we're doing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think we all are, aren't we? We're all really proud of what we're doing. Um, yeah. And like we said last week about the whole um, needing leaders on the pitch, that comes with money. And I think I, th- yeah. I would love to see Broughton with just money. You know, it doesn't have to be a lot. Just, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it could be five million, which to us is like an unreal amount of money to spend. For other people, it's absolutely nothing. But I'd like to see him with just a bit of money and no pressure yeah. to to pull these rabbits out of the hats. We're, we're big supporters of the, you know, what they called the project. We just hope it sticks together. I'm proud of the fact that we've got this youth set up um, and that we're giving all these youngsters a chance. Um, but I just, I just hope that we just get that next level on the ne- on the other side of the coin, which is actually being able to buy players, not just bring you know bring your own through. No, it's exactly that. I, I feel the plans there. We've got the manager, we've got the director of football, but other circumstances won't work. Just let us know down below your thoughts as well on the on the subject. Are Rovers in the right direction in your eyes? You know. Obviously, the financial stuff's going to take centre stage, but just let us know your thoughts on it. We'll move on now to another favourite topic of the podcast, one I always look forward to. I'll just play the music in the video. Nice little Over to you, Mark. Yeah, so we've got a couple of questions today. Uh, the first one's for Dan, and one and only Juice asks, who is the next academy player to come through? That's a really good question. Uh, given Rovers' issues in different positions, I'm not going to go for midfielder, even though I think there's a lot of talent in the midfield. Uh, if I was going to go off... God, that's a good question. Well, what was that new lad, um, the 15-year-old? Yeah, he was very good the other day. Mm. It wouldn't shock me if he gets involved in a matchday squad before the year ends, given the lack of strikers we have. But uh, He's not going to come through and hit the first team for long. No. He seems exciting, doesn't he? I mean, the obvious answer for me is Jake Batty. I think he's very close to making appearances. If it isn't him, then... Going off the bench, I'd have to go for Tom H, just given our defensive issues and the fact that, you know, we've seen recently we're down to a last centre match, we're playing plays out of position. So I'd have to go for Tom H, but for me, I think Rory Finneran's got a chance. Pat mm-hmm. Gamble is interesting me because H has been picked ahead of him in a lot of matchday squads. I wonder mm-hmm. whether. Gambles at the edge now that they're looking at him, thinking he should maybe be a bit more involved in the first team. Mm. I go for 
Next, I'd go for Tom H and a Jake Batty with an I am Rory Finneran in the midfield, the young lad who's played for Ireland at you know, levels higher. I think he's could come through as a generational talent at Rovers. Yeah. Mark, is there any that um any there that you think for you should be given a chance or may get his chance mm. come the end of the season? I agree with what Dan said, and I think the logic around the midfield makes sense, although Sigurdsson's obviously not our player at the moment, so you could argue that Gilsonen could secure a place yeah, on well, that side. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I mean, I personally am quite excited about Max Davis. I think he's he's a left-footed centre half. Having that balance in the central defence is important when you're playing out from the back. So he's one to watch as well for me. He's only uh, I think he's just gone seventeen. So yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, we, we've just been saying about the youth setup, and it's just great that you can list all their names. I mean, I, I'm not lucky enough to go to any of these games you guys are, and it's just brilliant that we have this conveyor belt of talent that can come in, and even if they're not first teamers, they can be good depth going forward. So, no, that's brilliant. So, Mark, I've got a, quite a tough one for you. Gary asks, <laughs> who is better? Bowyer's Rovers or JDT's? Now, we know who's in Gary Bowyer's squad. So, yeah. go on then. So, Gary's asset. Is that Gary Bowyer's asset? Is it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Fishing for a compliment. Wow. Yeah, he is, isn't he? Wow. I don't think he's going to get one. I'm glad it's you though, answering cause... this, Mark. I'm <laughs> very glad it's you rather than me. Just one thing on that before. How do you judge who's better? Do you go off who'd win in a game? Who'd do better over a season. All right. So I'm going to say um, if you no, had both no. teams in their prime, I say yep. if you had Gary Bowyer's team in their prime when we just missed out yeah. and put them in the league now, mm. would you think they would do better now than what our current JDT is doing? Yes. And what I'm going to say to quantify it, and this is going to sound really, really harsh on Gary Boyer, I think JDT is a better manager and would have got more out of them, although those players wouldn't necessarily have all fitted his style. I think Tom Kearney would have caused him a massive problem. I yeah. just think the balance between having experienced players, Jordan Rhodes, guaranteed gold, but we also had that physicality. We had Gisteb, we had the two centre-halves. I just think we had a bit more about us in different games. That said, I think we should have done better. But we kind of got where we were in spite of Boyer. And that sounds harsh because he did a great no. job for us. Um, I, I think this team's got potential to be better. But I just think there was a more facets to their game. But what I think that's had... a discussion that could go on. For, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say, what if you had Marshall Conway and Rhodes in this team and Marshall Conway Gestead with Smonix in behind? I think we'd be... We'd be sitting there a lot happier than we are now, probably discussing a much better side, wouldn't we, if we had them three? Because I think that's where Rovers lack in this team, that three. You know, the left, right and striker are probably the biggest issue for me at the moment. I don't think... Yeah, I think... And and flip side of that, I think if you'd have added Adam Wharton and maybe Tronstad at the moment into that midfield, because I think the midfield yeah. two, three were the weakest areas of the pitch. Dunn couldn't get around the pitch like he used to. Jason mm -hmm. Law was Jason Law, you know, could debate all day whether he's as good as good or not as Travis. Um, so I think the centre midfield we would have upgraded. I think that's a better area. But I think we could go into that into more detail, to be fair. We might have to make that a topic. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the way I'd articulate it is if I wanted to win one game, I would pick yeah. Bowyer's team over yes, ours. Yeah. But if I wanted to build a future, I would pick ours with JDT. Oh, that, absolutely. That's, yeah. that's kind of the way I would see it. I mean... Rhodes was something else. We we know that, and we had so much talent around that team. But we was playing a brand of football that was it was just poachers football, wasn't it? Whereas now we seem to be playing a brand of football that if we did have one of those seasons where we did get into the playoffs or go up, we're actually setting ourselves to play the kind of football that could could with the right players do well in the Premier League. Whereas I feel yeah. like Bowie's team. Well, I think if we'd gone up, I think we would have got absolutely trashed and, put, and sent straight back down. But it, like you say, Mark, I think it's it's a massive conversation. I think I think we could actually pick a few squads over the yeah. last 10, 15 years. Pick a combined 11. Was, yeah. 
Definitely. Well, I think we, we've done that before, haven't we, Dan? About the combined eleven, and we um, there was a lot that came out of that Bowyer era. Yeah, it yeah, was it a lot. Good, it was a good combo, and I think we picked the best eleven since we went down. Right. I think if we picked it now with this formation, it'd be interesting yeah. to see what we did. So I think we did a four-four-two on that one. I think if we changed the formation, we'd have to. Yeah, that's a content idea. That one is Gary. So write it down. Ne- yeah, write that one down. So next question, Yon Mon John. Yeah, that's definitely his name. Uh, said, what can Rovers do to ad- address the issues of conceding late goals? So. I'll lead this one. I, I think I think a lot of it comes down to experience and the youth of the team. I think some of it comes down to the brand of football that we're playing with the with the plan B. So I think some of the mistakes and Mark broke down the Preston uh, goal last week where I think Tronstad left his man and he was just open. I think some of it comes down to just lack of experience, uh, not necessarily from Tronstad, but from others. I think some of it comes down to tiredness. I think the brand of football we're playing mm-hmm. is so intense sometimes that they're just knackered by the end, which is why we're conceding so many. Then you've got the goalkeeper situation. They're not exactly covering themselves in glory. And whilst I do have faith in the current goalkeeper, um, I think a lot of defenders try to do too much. So I think there's, a, there's an element there of fitness, experience, and just lack of confidence. I mean, Dan, you've obviously been to near enough... I think you've been to all games this season. You've seen plenty of last-minute goals go against us. What What's your feeling in the crowd? Do you feel like the crowd are expecting it, and it's transferring to the pitch? Is it? I mean, what? what I don't. Know. I think it's always felt like that with a crowd, hasn't it? You You're natural as any football fan to feel you'll concede. I feel it's experience. I think at times we've not had that man. Uh, I praised Dolan for it. I can't remember what game it was, but the player ran past him and he just he took his legs out. He just broke the counter. Yeah. Tackle. We don't do that all the time. I think sometimes yeah. we let them run. You know, I like that bit of, you know, sportsmanship, bad sportsmanship really, of, you know, give him a kick so he doesn't get past you. Give him a kick so they have to put the ball down, take this long free kick. I just feel it's experience. And I think it'll come with time. Uh, I was very... You know, full of praise for Rovers last year because I don't think we conceded too many late goals. So, is the change this year that we don't have that calm head? We don't have the keeper that we maybe have the confidence in to come and collect the ball because that's part of it. I think you'll lump the ball into the box and you knew Kaminsky get up and catch it and it falls at floor, lie on the ball and get it up. And we've wasted a minute and a half, two minutes. So, I think the overall thing is experience. I think we like that seeing that again we lack that knowledge of how to actually see out games in the championship and ultimately I feel we'll sit there at the end of the season and still say that because we're probably stuck with the same squad until the end of the year. Yeah Mark, do you think there's any tactical changes we could make or is it or do you think it is just experience, tiredness and so on? I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think that the fact we can't rotate the players as much because of the, the lack of depth. It is, it is a factor. I think tactically he has tweaked it. So what Thomason has done is at the beginning of the season, and this is his style of football anyway, if you look at the championship, a vast, vast number of games are won by the team that score the first goals. And us in particular are set up then to counter-attack teams. And I think what had happened was we were throwing everything at getting that first you know, one, two goals, like happened at Norwich. And then it's almost, I mean, never feels it as a Rovers fan, but it's almost a comfortable game for us then. We struggle when we go one behind and to break teams down. And I think Thomason's not throwing everything at it and being gung-ho, but he, he, he's gone a little bit more reserved on it. But that is his plan. He sets out to get that first goal. And we almost depend on that. But because we're not putting those chances away, he's had to come away from it a little bit and reserve a little bit of energy. The Sunderland game was the classic. That's how he wants to play. He wants to fly at teams, almost blow them away. And even if we only get the one, we can play on the counter. Unfortunately, we're not clinical enough at the moment to be able to rely on We're getting the chances, but not able to rely on taking them to then play that way. So that's and that's why he wanted a striker, because that's the way he wants to play. Get that first goal, and then the game's ours most of the time. 
Well, we saw when he came in, it's an all-or-nothing kind of football, which is why, I mean, we didn't draw any games for ages, did we? Because we yeah. just didn't want to see it yeah. out. It's like, do you know what? We're either going to win it or we're going to lose it. Let's go for it, boys. And that just seems to be the JDT way. <laughs> you know, and it, yeah. It's exciting. But, yeah, I think I think we've answered that. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what we have going football. But we've got a bit of a fun question to end the mailbag. And it's for all of us. And Mark asks, what's the best football game you've seen? Now, the best one I've seen, I'm, I'm, going, to st- I'm going to do an England one. I'm going to do a Rovers one. So the England one, Mark okay. and I were lucky enough to experience Euro 96 and Alan Shearer and Sheringham ripping apart the Netherlands 4-1. Oh, I thought yeah. that was a fantastic game. Um, I just remember the whole area and street just, going mad when them goals went in. And then an absolute left-field one for Rovers was uh, when we beat Barcelona 3-2 in a pre-season friendly. Because nice. I got to see my hero, got to see uh, my hero Patrick Cliver play at the time. He was one of the best that I could see. And, yeah, we were going to beat them 3-2. So, so they were mine. So, Dan, Mark, I'll go with Dan first. Dan, what's, what's yours? Because you're a youngster. Yours are going to be a bit more recent. Yeah, my favourite ever Rovers game, not bearing in mind like Doncash and all that, that Arsenal 4-3 at Ewood the year we went down, I really enjoyed that game. That's one that always sticks in the mind. Uh, I'm not seeing too many from Rovers. It's not often. We normally win 1-0 or we lose 3-0. Uh, outside of Rovers, briefly remember watching the Champions League final 2005. I remember that very briefly. Uh, the World Cup, the last World Cup final, that was up there with games of football. There's been some good ones recently as well, and the Chelsea Man City one were very good in terms of back and forth. I like the games that change quickly and you know things change. So I'd have to go four three Arsenal, which shows you how much enjoyment I've had as a Rovers fan. So Mark, I was lucky enough to go to the Worthington mm-hmm. Cup final. That was another one on my list. Yeah. I found that day quite stressful for me. I mean, what what about you? Was it, what what games are leaping out to you? So I'm 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 going to pinch your idea, Mike. I'm going to go England as well. So I went to um, COVID era, hadn't been in a football ground for a, at least twelve months, and I went to the semi final England Denmark, and just the atmosphere, nice. just being back in a ground, it was unbelievable. It was just unbelievable. It was one of the things that. You were there and you thought, I am going to remember this forever. This it, it was just everything. I'd not been in a crowd and then all of a sudden I was up and on a concourse where you couldn't move. So it was a bit daunting actually at the time looking back. But yeah, that was unbelievable. I think the best game I've seen was uh, we lost. Brilliant. But it was away at Anfield. Uh, the season we'd gone back up under Sooness and it was 4-3. And if you haven't seen it, just go on. Janssen was playing. It's the game where Todd Grip left early. When Janssen had scored, um, we had Cole. Duff scores this goal in the away end. And it was just like pinball. He was playing one-twos and he scored. Just go and watch it on YouTube. Unbelievable yeah. football. Just from both teams. It was just, nothing was really on the game either. In it, But it was just tremendous football. But I cannot, cannot leave this section without talking about April 1st, 2000. The sun was shining. The dingles were locked in. And we absolutely tore them apart. What a day that was. It was a great that, day. It, just, it was a great day. The first time I'd ever been to a Rovers Burnley game. And they were a poll in Dr. Rank. The championship then was, you know, the best teams and the worst teams was like middle of the Premier League and middle of League One. It was such a contrast, to be fair. Um, but, oh, that, uh, life, life peaked. It peaked. Brilliant. I think I think we all yeah. reminisce when we got this question. So if anyone has any questions like this, stick them on Twitter, stick them in the YouTube comments because we do enjoy answering these yeah. kind of questions as well. So, but yeah, that's the mailbag boys. Mike, thank you as always, and Mike, it's your turn this time. It's the career paths as we go on to do this the quiz. Let's go. Okay, okay, boys. Right, Mike. I am well aware we have Dan here, so I have tried to play. So I've tried to play into more of your era. Good man. 
That said, the first one is not just your era. It is also Dan's. And we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten points available, boys. So, this player, and I have brought, how many games did they have to play for Rovers, did you say? 20? I said that let's do it over 20, so just to save right. Dan from picking some random player that really on sub appearance for two minutes at the end of a game. Well, I've got bad news. I've brought rule number one on question number shocking, one, but I have for the rest yeah. of them. This should be all right, though. It should be all right. So he starts his career at Blackburn Rovers. Do you want the year? Yeah, you can do. 2008. He makes no appearances. <laughs> Brilliant start. <laughs> he then goes to Plymouth Argyle on loan. Do we have a buzzer? Oh, sorry. I'll go we away there, sleeper. I think I've away got it. Away there, sleeper. Have we got Judy Murray over here as well? Yeah, I'll have Judy Murray. Go on, Dan. Yeah. Alan nine Judge. Points. Yeah, nine points. This is ridiculous. Right, Mike, you've got him this time. Right. We've got a potential of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven points, Mike. This is for you, this one. Are we Come ready? on. Come on, let's oh, do this. Starts, he starts at Coventry City in the finest year of all, 1986. He moves to Blackburn Rovers. He moves to Chelsea. Away to sleeper. Is it, is it Chris Sutton? No. No. He goes to Port Vale on loan. Grimsby oh, Town on loan. He does such a good job at Grimsby Town sign him permanently. He spends a majority of his career there. And he ends his career at Carlisle United. So he's at Blackburn Rovers from 91 to 93. 30 appearances, 10 goals. Where did... No, it's not. I was going to say David Speedy, but... No, he was he Liverpool, wrote, he wasn't he? He went Liverpool, didn't he, as well? And it did. I can see what you're doing there, though. Chelsea's in there as well. Yeah. And Coventry as well, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Played everywhere, I think, didn't they? Yeah, to be fair. That should have been that's, the guess, it? That's going to be a tough one for me. I don't think I'm going to get that one. Should I leave the answer in the abyss to the uh, to the audience, or do you want me to tell you? I'll leave that up to the gaffer, Dan. Go on, tell us after the show. We'll leave it. Okay, Just read it out again. Right. For so, it was Coventry, Blackburn, Chelsea, Port Vale on loan, Grimsby on loan, Grimsby permanently, and then ended at Carlisle United. It's then two loans, because who goes on loan after having yeah. three permanents? That's what's stumping me. Okay, yeah, next one. Right. Mike, this is for you as well, and we have 16 points available here. Oh, come here on. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Stand Starts up. off at... No. Starts off at Halifax Town. Dan, if you buzz in and get this, I am going to just end this right now. He goes to Rotherham United. He goes to Everton. He then starts a round robin of loans. He goes to Notts County on loan. Sunderland on loan. Judy Murray. Go on. Is it Bobby Mims? <laughs> yes, it oh, is. Love it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve points, Mike. 
Yeah. Just to finish it off, he goes Blackburn Rovers on loan, Man City on loan, Signs for Tottenham, Aberdeen on loan, six years at the mighty Blackburn Rovers, Crystal Palace, Preston, Rotherham, York on loan, York permanently, and Mansfield Town. See, we nearly had him on the podcast, so I've definitely looked at his career before. I could see your face and I thought, no. I, I didn't get it, but I thought it must be some. Yeah, we nearly had oh, him, but uh, that's a story for another day. Did you get Alan Judge after Plymouth's first loan? I got, yeah, after Plymouth. So we're on 12 nine here, aren't we? Right, okay. Yeah. Right, boys. Back into the modern era-ish. I say modern. It's modern to me. You probably oh, still weren't born. Right, yeah. Starts his career at Blackburn Rovers. Are we having a year? There's five points available. That's all. Okay. The year, drop the year. Starts Go in on. 2011. Oh, jeez. Okay. That See, for me, that's modern. For Dan, that feels like that's, that's, ages ago, that's, doesn't that's, it? Well, oh, that's that's like what year was he born, Dan? I started going all four. 99, I started going in 2004. Jeez. So we're we were born in 99. even now. 2011, only a couple of years ago. Uh, right, so he leaves Blackburn and goes to Real Salt Lake. Oh, a weird sleeper. Go on. Adam Henley? Adam Henley. Fair play. Fair play for getting that. 13-12. Okay. Mike? Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight points available. He begins at Scunthorpe United. A weird sleeper. It's just a guess. Come on, Dan. Don't do this to me already. Mark Atkins. Oh, come on. You need to go. Can't even get angry anymore. 21 12. Mike, <sighs> this one is this this is yours, Mike, but there's only four points available. That's fine. He starts off at Bohemians. Um Judy Murray. Damien Duff. No. Bohemians is an Irish club, go? isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. it is, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right lines, right lines. Uh, a weird sleeper. Go on. I will go for... Oh, I don't know, I forgot now. Uh, take it on. Wrong island. Damien Johnson, but it's wrong island. Wrong island? <gasps> We're not getting into that. Right, quick. Move on. He moves to Manchester United. Um, you, you said it was my that? era, didn't you? Did you say it was my era? Mm-hmm. Judy Murray. Go on. Is it Kevin Moran? It is, and that was uh, a bonus round, so there was double points available in that round. <laughs> so Mike is up to 18. Right, next one. 1, 2, well, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 13 points available. The last couple of Pushing it, but we're having them. Right. This is... Oh, this Rovers is bang in the middle of Dan's ear. If this is my worry here, Mike. Okay. He starts up at Stoke City. He goes to Northampton. Oh, go on. Uh, ben Breverton Diaz. No. I thought he had it then. He moves on to Northampton, not Cobblers. It's true. <laughs> it goes to... That's on loan. He goes to Cheltenham yeah. Town on loan. No one wants to bite him. Carlisle United on loan. Sheffield Wednesday on loan. Did you say the Rovers were right in my time? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
He makes a permanent move to Leicester City. Stoke to Leicester. Who does that? Weirdos. <laughs> he signs for Blackburn Rovers. Away day sleeper. Yeah. Paul Dickoff? No. No, I said it was your era, so it's it's going to be relatively recent. Go on. And if we sign I'll, reca I'll recap where we're up to for you, Mike. So no. we're stuck. Northampton on loan, Cheltenham on loan, Carlisle on loan, Sheffield Wednesday on loan, Leicester permanently, Blackburn permanently. Then? Yeah, it's, it's not falling into place. Wolverhampton Wanderers. Permanent. Oh, um, Judy uh, Murray. Uh, ben Marshall. Yes, Judy Murray. It is Ben Marshall. Yes. And that is one, two, three, four, five, six points. I think you've won, Mike. Have you counted his, his like, Sunday I've league stuff as well? I've counted Clough and, excuse me, played for Darwin FC. Uh, so it's not play? Sunday league. Eh, well, that's by the by. It's on, it's on Wikipedia. It, it counts in points. I don't think he has, no. He signed for no, him, didn't he? Uh, Stone Cup he's played for as well. That that was the West Lanks League. I've also played in the West Lanks League. Um, Millwall on loan. He's had Norwich. Millwall on loan. Yeah, he's had a tremendous Did you, did you listen uh, to the Under the Cosh podcast with him? Yeah, yes. yeah. It's amazing. It's that, that's why, as soon as you said Rovers to Alex Marrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then stories. You could just know that he's an absolute tosser, but what a guy. <laughs> I I I genuinely think that might be a draw. I think Mike was on 13. He's, he's just you he did got give, two for you Kevin did give Moran. Me, yeah, and, you did give me some bonus double points. points. Yeah. But even without them, with the two, that's 15. And then we've just had two, four, six. I think we're 21 apiece. Oh, there's got to be a decider. Well, there was a decider, but I had to delete it because you guys told me that I had to have uh, 10 appearances. I'm going to have to... Well, yeah, I'm going I'm to I'm test Dan then, and this is the deciding question. If he gets it right, if he gets it right, um, he can win. If he gets it wrong, I win. So I'm going to go... Hang on, let me just... So, Blackburn Rovers versus Barcelona was 3 2. Yes. Can you name three players that played for Blackburn that day? Oh, oh. he'll get that, surely. I thought you were going to have to okay. get that score. Okay. okay, five. We'll go five. And you've got 20 seconds. How many lives? So, you've got to get five, Dad. Yeah. Uh, 2001. Dunn. Yeah. Duff. Yeah. Hughes. No. He scored. Uh, he was on the bench. I'm kind of starting lineup. Oh, oh that. yes. No, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Bent. No. no. He was on the Bent. bench. He didn't start and he wasn't even on the bench. Oh, what's he doing? He uh, had a bit of a knock, didn't he? I'm going to have to say you've lost this one, Dan. Disgraceful. Uh, I win How could you not the... remember the forward line of Nathan Blake and Corrado Grabby? I'm actually going to say Blake then, and I never got Grabby. Yeah, Bjorn, uh, can you name Bjorn, three people who played for Barcelona? Yes. I, uh, I get that. Clive Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna be, no, I'm going to be one off. Uh Philip Koku played. He did. Yeah. And oh, I think the episode has to end here. Think, think one player that played for a hell of a long time for him over the next 10, 15 years. Centre mid. He's going to get the wrong one here. Iniesta. Ah, the other one, Savvy. Savvy. <laughs> didn't, uh, didn't Guardiola play as well? And Reisiger and 
Yeah, Christian Bale, Reisiger, Koku, Cliver, Overmars, Martinez, Patrick Anderson, Bonanno, Torre, Giovanni, Zavi. So, I mean, Saviola, Puyol, Rockenbach, they're all on the bench. That's why it was a really enjoyable friendly to go and watch, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. That's when Saviola was ripping it up on Football Manager. Championship managers, yeah. it was so cold. Yes. The rabbit, wasn't it? Yeah. Ah, oh, unbelievable. Well, mate, you can have the win on that one. I'll let you air. Uh, I'll let you have it. But Cheers, that's where Dan. we're on this week. We've Thank done you it. to everyone for watching. Like I said, we'll have the Bristol game. We'll be doing the pre-match show there. Uh, plenty of content to come from that. So make sure you tune in on the day. That'll be half six till 7pm. Tuesday the 12th of December. Mark, thank you very much for joining us. Congratulations on your much-deserved win. Cheers, man. I'm not sure it was much-deserved, but I'll take it. And Mark, thank you as always. Always a pleasure. Well, thank you for that. That's never a lie. Is there there as well? Never. Never at all. <laughs> uh, remember to, whatever platform you're watching on, hit subscribe, follow the podcast. You know what to do. Leave a review as well. Or leave a comment down below. If you know the answer to Mark's uh, career paths question leave that down below i will put the answer out on twitter we'll probably put it out as a clip first but that's where we'll finish thank you to everyone for watching and now we're there discussing rovers career paths and a lot more so stay tuned we'll be back next week for episode number 20 i can't believe we're on 20 already uh but there'll be plenty of content coming we'll react to the stock game i won't bother asking mark he won't remember anything come on rovers we'll look ahead to the birmingham and the chef wednesday game and of course we'll have everything else until next time Hit like, hit subscribe, leave your reviews down below, and we'll see you soon.